All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, You guys want to start the show? Let's start the show. Welcome to Saturday Morning Cereal. What is Saturday Morning Cereal, you ask? Well, that's a pretty incisive question. I respect that, and that's why I like when you listen to us. Well, it's the show where we discuss the themes of Saturday Morning TV, which not only did we grow up with, they've also grown up with us. Who am I, you ask? Well, it's a little personal, but uh, I like your moxie, so I'm going to tell you. I'm your host, Dan Grimshay, and I'm sure you're polite enough to at least acknowledge my other friends and co-hosts over here. I've gathered across the Skypeverse. Uh, Marquee, you be the first one to speak up. Hey now, how's everybody doing? There you go. That's a taste of Marquee. Jimmy, Jimmy the Gent Lazinski's also with us today, and if he can confirm that, you'll know it's true. This is the sound of my voice. <laughs> All right. Hey, how you guys doing anyway? 2021. I'm good. I'm good. Okay, Loving shut up for a second. We're going right, to talk sorry. about, I, I totally forgot. No one gives a damn because I, I haven't even given the best news yet. Oh, dear listener, you did pick a great time to join us because we got <laughs> guests here today. Big time. We've got Sybil Lake, who you might have heard of, and mm-hmm. we've got Tom Sizemore, who I know you've heard of. Tom mm-hmm. Sizemore. Tough guy, uh, uh, heavy in movies from the early 90s to today. Uh, You can look up his credits if you want, but you're going to be hearing right from him about his biggest movies uh, a little bit later in the show. So, you know, don't leave yet. Because before we get to that, how, how, I'm sorry, how are you guys doing? Uh, I'm good. Okay, okay. now, I I changed my mind again. This is going to be boring. Don't answer that. Because we're talking, we're talking finally about violence. Mm. Violence in movies today. We are, I think, what uh, what they call gentlemen of a certain age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We uh, yeah, we grew up watching us. movies from a few decades ago because they were new movies then. Uh, I'm thinking for uh, the 80s. You say 80s movie, people either think like goofy teenage romp or crazy action movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not eight, out of yeah. line there. Those are your big yep. 80s movies tropes. I think well, you nailed it. Well, the 80s action movie, your Rockies, your Rambos, your you know your Schwarzenegger picks and mm-hmm. such, you always had your clearly defined hero, and with then they de- just killed everybody. With clearly defined abs. With, yeah. uh, you know, movie poster-ready biceps. That was a big selling yes. point in 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got the guns. Yeah. Literal I don't think there was... Like like Van Damme was the skinniest guy in an '80s movie until uh, you know McLean uh, Bruce Willis showed up, and all of that, and maybe that's all part of what I want to talk about because then in the '90s, when uh, I at least I won't speak for everybody in the room, but I at least was old enough to start making my own choices on movies. Like, hey, this is what I'm going to rent. Uh, went off to college, actually had to decide what 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 is going to be worth pay per view. What am I going to actually pay to see in a theater with my money? Uh, and I, '90s movies are big to me. Yeah, maybe it's my age group, but I'm just gonna say the music and the movies from the '90s, they just don't make them that good anymore. They also don't make it that bad anymore. But the best stuff came from them. Uh, and I think there was a there was a switch in violence. Does anybody did anybody else see that? Like there were still violent movies in the '90s, but they weren't like the '80s ones anymore. Uh, are you asking me? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, throwing okay. it out there. I'm, I'm curious. You listener, yeah, you can just... answer too, but don't expect me to comment on it. Casting a pretty wide net. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think there was a big, uh, there was a big shift, and uh, 
I think it it really started um, in the early '90s uh, when a couple of movies came out that were written by this crazy skinny little weirdo by the name of Quentin Tarantino. Oh, QT <laughs> man! I remember uh, when he was a fat when he was a blip. Yeah, Entertainment and, Tonight was mispronouncing his name and saying he's one to watch kind of years. Yeah, and uh, you know, one of them was uh, uh, Natural Born Killers, which was uh, changed a lot by the director Oliver Stone, who had yeah. you know won an Oscar about ten years earlier. Um, it was an uh, Oliver Stone movie, but people were honestly talking about the screenwriter, right? Who it, was it gets credit for kind of being a Tarantino movie to this day, even yeah. though. It's an Oliver Stone movie. That yeah. says something. But um, the other early Quentin Tarantino movie of the 90s written by was uh, what maybe maybe one of my top five favorite movies of all time. I'm not kidding. True Romance. I absolutely love it. Oh, hell yeah. And what that did was it made... I don't think the, Jimmy likes it, but uh, me and yeah, you are on the same think, page. But, uh, What's the as name? long as you and I... What do you call it now? <laughs> No, it's, I'm just, I'm true. just, yeah, I don't want to shit. I, I was going to wait for you to stop, but that's my favorite okay. movie of all time. Yeah. Well, Far okay. Enough. So, Far uh, yeah. And so, but what that did for the violence was it made it really cool. It was a lot of conversation, a lot of thought went into it. And then it goes from that, it gets into kind of the depressing, brooding, sad kind of violence where you kind of have to do it and you're depressed about it in this in a Mike in the Michael Mann movie called Heat. And then after that, well, an example, an example. After that, it's back to heroics and the the valor of violence as we see in Saving Private Ryan. Oh, Saving so, Private Ryan. That, yeah. yeah, to close out the '90s, right? And 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 what through a... those three movies, Tom Sizemore was in all three of them. Touchstones right. of '90s. In, in Tom, your in your trilogy that explores in the change, '90s violence movies. Yes, it, the, the <laughs> but yes, he is. Uh, um, these are the the touchstones of the '90s movies. All three of them, you remember when you watched them or how you watched them or you remember how they made you feel. And I agree with all that. They changed movies, all three of these things, or at least what yeah, they represented. There was, there was, at the very least, there was conversation. But all, I mean, the stylized violence that was coming from Tarantino before yeah. even he directed his first movie was actually getting media coverage like yeah look can you believe because as violent uh and as kinetic as true romance is um there's uh, i wouldn't say you can't say none of it's gratuitous i mean it is a tony scott God, movie, it though. means something i mean it's it would be so easy to tear down the scene of uh you know tony soprano just beating this poor girl to a pulp yeah but there is Alabama. that scene makes you feel like puts you in her. It is, it's visceral. Uh, so I don't know if it's gratuitous, but it does have it. But there's it's style. But yeah, and they are they are also talking throughout. It, it's an excellent dialogue between uh, James Gandolfini's character and Patricia Arquette's character, uh, as Jimmy says, uh, Alabama. So. Like you know, even through that very gratuitous violent scene, it's there is this monologue that got James Gandolfini the role of Tony Soprano. <laughs> that yeah. led to Tony Soprano because of his performance in that scene, and it wasn't because of the way that he was hitting the girl. It was because of that little monologue that that you know where he talks about his first kill and about how the second one becomes easier, and you're starting to get a little Michael Mann movie out of I him. Guarantee Ironically, it's exactly what gets his character in the movie killed, but it it worked right. out great for Gandolfini himself. But that's when you know this violence was becoming stylized, and there were no everybody was kind of a bad guy, but you had the bad guy that you liked. Your Alabama mm -hmm. and your Clarence, uh, 
And then you move into, yeah, what you talk about, your heavier, darker, more introspective violence of Heat, which had that shootout scene on the L.A. streets, which to this day is still referred to as the greatest heist scene of all time, of a very stacked genre. Yeah. Uh, And then... And then, yeah, it comes to uh, Saving Private Ryan when it was in the news that a lot of World War II vets had to just get up and leave. It was, yeah. it was, they, it was, you know, war movies changed with that, the violence that was in that. But it's such a thoughtful movie and it questions the violence. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's got these characters who don't seem to want to kill, even though they're just killing Nazis. Yeah. The, the most approved. <laughs> yeah, even in Hollywood, <laughs> you sh- if you need a stock bad guy, you go Nazi. Yeah, that's that's the easiest one. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's that's exactly right. And and uh, I think um, uh, far, when you kind of see cry this from you know Running Man. Yeah, and I don't think that any of these movies. Uh, it's just it was this kind of natural kind of ebb and flow to that whole decade and that just kind of led up to Saving Private Ryan. You know, like if if Saving Private Ryan came out in 1991, we just would not have been ready for it. You know, coming from Rambo to Saving Private Ryan, it would have been so shocking. Like it took <laughs> it took they're like who are these little puny men over here trying to trying to kill Nazis? Get out of here. You know, and um, I just it, it's just it just made so much sense. And I, you know, and it's funny. Uh, I never even really thought of this until we had the chance to to meet and to interview Tom Sizemore that I really started to kind of look at these three films that he's in and he has no small role. He is. Uh, well, he, you know, he has a small role in. Yeah. No, the, no, no, no. He has one. no small role. He's just a small actor. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but you know he's starring as the number two in the De Niro clan in Heat. He's like his lieutenant, and then he's Tom Hanks. You know he's his second in command when he Michael, gets to Saving Private Michael Ryan. Chirito. Michael Chirito. and it's just M-m-m-Mike this. Mike you know, Chirito. <laughs> he, he's he's Mike Hor- Horvath in uh, Saving Private Ryan. There you or go. Math. Tech sergeant. Yeah, he's a sergeant. And, you know, um, this guy was a part of all those movies. And all those movies kind of herald a new style of movie that is still being made today. Like, you don't get a Saving Private Ryan reboot. <laughs> you don't get a Heat sequel. Uh, that's for 80s God movies. willing, not yet. Yeah. You know, these were... These are art pieces. I get, and I I agree with all of your picks. Uh, And it does work well that uh, our guest, uh, once again, Mr. Tom Sizemore is in all of them. But I don't know. I mean, I get, I know you hate Westerns, but I feel like for the middle pick in the mid 90s to represent that brooding, you know, regretful but necessary violence, uh, I would have gone with Unforgiven. I know you can't stand that movie. I'm not going to make you talk about it, but I feel um, like it does the same job. But it's just no, it's just no size more. Our listeners know two things: one, that Unforgiven is my favorite movie of all time, and two, that it was, I believe, released in 1991. So it's uh, it's kind of outside of this conversation. Un- Unforgiven is your true romance. Yeah, I think it's my favorite movie of all time. Um, it's the movie that I would take, like if I could only take one with me on a space shuttle. Unforgiven. <laughs> yeah, I would take Unforgiven. Well, right. I thought it was mid yeah. Well, I believe it matches up more with the mid nineties, but it was called Progressive for its time. Yeah, and I think I think it does. I think that that is the type of movie that does fit in with this conversation, and it is I'll tell also you one thing, didn't come out in the goddamn eighties. It did not, and I I think that it's um, it's also one of those films that also goes against its predecessors, right? Um, Whereas the gunslinger was seen as a hero, um, this kind of pulls that back, takes the veil off, and it shows the pain that that causes. Um, and I think that that's what these '90s movies do, you know. And this was also the era of grunge music, you know. And you know, we were all kind of questioning things. Um, yeah. No, I mentioned it was the best music of all time. Yeah. 
yeah, I, I don't think that that's that's both of these things kind of live off of each other and off of the times. And yeah. it might yeah. be the greatest, you know, kind of quietly the greatest uh, era of movies, I think, are those yeah. are those 90s. No offense Jimmy, to you millennials, but uh, you just you don't know disillusionment. <laughs> yeah, we got it down. Pal. You think you do, but we didn't yeah. even need a good reason to feel it growing up. Yeah. Jimmy, uh, what was it like for you? You're uh, a little older than us, so you know. Well, you're so earlier in the Gen X wave, specifically yeah. in the '90s. Like I think you boys were still in high school, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we I was just kind five. of out on my own. Had uh, you know my own place and a little bit of spending loot, a little bit of walking around money. So, and this was back in the days when everybody was, um, you would, you had a collection of VHSs, right? So I'm talking about early to to late '90s, um, and you wanted to have your own mini blockbuster, and a lot of those movies on my little mini blockbuster would have been. Uh, Point Break, Carly Davidson and the Marlboro Man, Natural Born Killers, Heat, Enemy of the State, you know. So yeah, uh, these they, sound they, like they're all Tom the Sizemore Gene movies. Hackman, he, Smith, he was kind uh, of, uh, as I mentioned before, he was he's ubiquitous through '90s uh, viol- <laughs> uh, hyperviolent movies. Where, but I, I kind of wanted to drop in. Uh, Tony Scott was had that certain style of the slow motion violence. And that mm-hmm. was kind of like his thing that he brought to that, like uh, the slow motion guns. Yeah, and the, then... the the like long gun draw. Right, right, right. Yeah. And then he yeah. used it at the end of um, True Romance and also at the Enemy of the State. And, so, and one other movie he used it. I can't remember which one off the top of my head, but the uh, Mexican standoff at the end where everybody's got mm-hmm. their guns drawn and nobody's nobody's really knows why they're drawn on each other. But once everybody's got their, you know... Once everybody's got their guns out, <laughs> shit's going yeah. down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I so just wish everybody of... would stop pointing a gun at my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a famous Tarantino line from Reservoir Dogs, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I think I got that one right. You got it first try. Bam. That's right, man. And yeah, uh, I don't know if you guys picked up on it or if you guys heard me earlier, but every single movie that was on Jimmy's shelf <laughs> was a Tom Sizemore joint. Um, he was in all of those. Uh, Harley Davidson, the Marlboro Man, uh, Enemy of the State. Uh, keep on going, Jimmy. Uh, uh, let's just fill in the blanks here. Um, Black Hawk <laughs> yeah. Down. I, I started uh, collecting those movies back in 1989, uh, and I yeah. had Penn and Teller get killed. Uh, Matter of Degrees, Blue Steel, Flight of the Intruder, Point Break. Be sure and stop DEA. mentioning the movies you collected when you get to the uh, 2000s, though, so, Jimmy. DEA, well, you know, we ran out of VHS at some point, and you, yeah. know, you just put those in a box. And uh, well, I, I the, after Point Break, he made uh, Harley Davidson and the Marble Man, which is always one of my uh, favorite movies. He was uh, Chance Wilder, the CEO, kind of main bad guy. But I, I don't remember if it, I mentioned it in the interview, Dan, but I was literally watching that movie when Mark E. texted me and said, Hey, you guys are going to interview Tom Sizemore. I'm like, Are you f- beep, fucking kidding me right now? That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> and then it reminded me of the rest of my shelf with uh, Passenger Fifty Seven and Heart and Souls, uh, my one, my true love, true romance, uh, Striking uh-huh. Distance. We mentioned Wyatt Earp a minute ago. Natural Born Killers. I'm not even into the mid '90s. Strange Days, okay. Heat, Relic, Saving Private Ryan, The Match, Bring Out the Dead with uh, your boy Nicky Cage, uh-huh, uh-huh. Get Carter, right. Red Planet. <laughs> Pearl Harbor okay. in 2001. Did you say Black, Red Planet? Hold, hold on. Black Hawk Down. And I'm just uh, I'm kind of touching on the big bases here, right? Yeah. Dreamcatcher. Don't forget Pauly Shore is dead. Oh, yeah. I, I know we're in the 2000s now. Uh, yeah. let's, let's not get the sample too big. Yeah, I, I actually think because uh, we may be tripping over some of the audio already. So uh, I, I would like to talk more with Jimmy. Uh after the interview about true his true continued romance. employment oh yes um i would like to i would like to test him on some of his ability to quote parts of the film i don't i don't know if he's ready for that uh i want to talk about saving private ryan a little bit and i want to talk about heat um but we have a big guest don't we grimshay i got can i ask a question oh sure why are we talking well, he's not here yet 
Why are we talking to Tom Sizemore? <laughs> we don't oh. have the magic interview machine. You're, t- you're talking about uh, Central Park Dark? He's in a new movie called Central Park Dark. It's hitting February 2nd. Uh, let me tell you absolutely every detail real quick. Oh, actually, you know what? I think they cover it. Magic interview machine. Let's get over there and find out if that's true. Uh, hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we're very excited here on Saturday Morning Serial to have uh, uh, from the new movie Central Park Dark, not only the writer and director and star, Sybil Lake, but also her co-star, Tom Sizemore. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for having us. I would say my... Fantastic co-star. <laughs> Fantastic co-star. Good. I didn't want to gild the lily, but you can. <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, maybe I'll tell you a little bit about it. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know how much of the story you want out there yet before it's out. So I'll let you, as the one person who should know, divulge exactly what you want. Perfect. Yeah, so... Central Park Dark is a thriller horror about a one-night stand that turns into a never-ending nightmare. And Tom actually plays a character named Tom. He's an alcoholic married doctor, and he reconnects with me. And I'm Anna, an unstable woman, and we have a past. So after a heated argument, so we we connect when um, Tom's in the middle of a relapse. So he reaches out to me, and then... I think we're getting back into a relationship. So during a heated argument when he breaks it down, that like it's not like that. You know, he, we're not having a baby together. I jump out of the window, and then I begin to torment him, though it's unclear if I'm alive or not. And so, yeah, like I appear in his dreams, and I let him in on a secret about the long history of dark forces in Central Park. And then I work with these dark forces and I take revenge on Tom through a series of ancient rituals. <laughs> ah, <laughs> so That's a little bit about it. Not a slapstick. <laughs> lovely though. lady. A lovely lady. <laughs> and then what happens in the second act? <laughs> <laughs> so then, yeah, Tom struggles to return to his normal life and then he uh, has to try to keep the secret from his wife. And so a descent kind of into darkness and nightmare happens. That's a lot. That sounds that sounds pretty uh, scary and frightening. Uh, I wanted to know how how long ago did you write this? Well, you know, I actually yeah, I actually wrote it. Um, I never really intended to make a horror film. I had a boyfriend at the time. He had a place upstate upstate New York, and he said I'd love to make a horror film here. I was on it, jumped on it, wrote it, and then he was like, "Well, I wasn't really serious." Then we ended up breaking up. And I moved back to Manhattan, and then I got the idea, I'll just move that horror film into Central Park. So um, I set it aside for a while, and actually I was doing something totally different. Um, I was writing a book about meditation, and then I was like, you know, what was really fun is like horror thriller was really fun. So I picked it up again, and then I got in touch with Tom, which was so great. He read the script quickly, jumped on board, and then... um, like, you know, we really jumped into shooting. <laughs> in the movie, in the movie, um, Thomas um, gets this gets off the off the path of uh, righteousness or just being a decent person because of sex with um, the Yale um, civil plays. Um, they had met. They had had an affair prior to the movie, prior to their meeting a second time. And um, our, our, our protagonist, the gentleman I play, what's his last name again? Civil? Whatever he's a doctor, oh, doctor, doctor Thomas, Thomas, Thomas Winters, Lee. right? Yeah, Thomas Winters, uh, an alcoholic, alcoholic, and he has his wife is away um, for some time. On, she's a doctor also, but she's been away at, at conferences, and so he, he has relapsed into drinking again. And he's out one night when he bumps into his his former paramour, and um, he seduces <laughs> her back, like with some feigned promises of. Um, you know, really leading his wife this time, just bullshitting her so he could, you know, get with her. And he gets with her, and then she's, um, because of what he said, you know, she's like, you know, I'm, I'm always going to have a baby. <laughs> it's just like the psycho date from hell. <laughs> you fucker once, and she's like, yeah. I'll move that over here. 
study. You're like, what are you talking about? I'm married. <laughs> but she does something that people don't usually do. She jumps out of a window from a high-rise yeah. building. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so he's horrified. And he, of course, runs down the stairs, the elevator, or whatever. And But there's no body out there. There's no one there. There's She didn't hit. And she's on Central Park West. So there'd be a lot of things going haywire. And there's nothing. And there's not, a, there's not a sign of her. And he doesn't hear back from her either. She's just gone. And then she starts to haunt him from the um, wherever she is um, in, the, in the afterlife and um, haunt him in his dreams and stuff. And the the character, the, the monster that's is, is not just her, it's, the, it's Central Park. Oh, yeah. So, so when I moved yeah. when I moved the story to Central Park, then I came up with, oh, my God, I could tie in the you know, the whole um, history about Seneca Village, which was a village that existed before uh, before Central Park. And it was a village mostly of free African-Americans and uh, Irish immigrants. And so I wrote in the story that my ancestor, Sarah May, came over, um, you know, her ancestor lived there. And so, you know, there were graveyards and schools and churches in this Seneca Village. So I kind of you know, in a horror fiction way. I, you know, wrote a, a story, um, you know, yeah, mythology about, like, Seneca Village and sort of tied it in just for some, you know, to give another layer to the film. Uh, an Indian burial ground uh, MacGuffin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's and, exactly right. And am I understanding there's a little bit of... Uh, Oh, I'm sorry, Tom. I'm just, is, is there a bit of a, will they, is she actually dead? Is she still alive? Like, you kind of don't know throughout the whole movie? Well, I'm starting to wonder if she was real to begin with. <laughs> there you go. You're on the right path. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's just a, she's just, a, our favorite. She's just a, she's just an A, an, a future AI um, hooker come to life. <laughs> there you go. Slips into one of those Terminator time travel things. You got a movie. Terminator Hooker from from Japan. Oh my God! Don't even tell me. Tom? And the trailer <laughs> isn't even out yet, and Tom ruined it. <laughs> yeah, he ruined it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Speaking of, which, I mean, definitely for me, the best part best. was working with Tom. Our stuff was hey, like we had some good. Feet. Can you hear me? Oh, he's talking to his voice. <laughs> 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 this is our lives today, right? Um, <laughs> yes, it is. This is the way it works now. What? Totally. Uh, that we're all at home. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've been here for 10 months. The <laughs> so well-worn path. I got it. bathroom. Mm-hmm. And honest, and when um, you break it down, it's no surprise. Everything is going to streaming. So I'm glad you guys are going there too. Uh, when you say yeah, all the streaming services, definitely. you mean like you know, uh, if Amazon, you've got Apple TV, if you've got iTunes. Amazon, and yeah. I do, you're gonna be able to find it. Tom, can I ask? You've been uh, speaking of streaming and and watching so many movies. I was literally watching Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man when I got the call that we were going to get a chance to interview you and Sybil, so I was pretty excited. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. And, uh, chance, chance Wilder and, uh, and Mickey and Doc. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, and uh, my absolute favorite movie of all time is True Romance, uh, where you're where Detective Nicholson. Uh, some of the best lines, some of the best uh, death scenes uh, right there. And then, of course, Saving Private oh, Ryan. Yeah. You're known for your iconic roles and choosing iconic movies and roles. And, of course, soon to be uh, Central Park Dark coming out February 2nd. Uh, can you share with us your secret nice. for identifying what, what makes an iconic role? Do you know going in that this is going to be big and over? No. When I broke through, um, I, um, I was living in New York, and I, I became a client of they had so many big, 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 powerful people, and I, I told my agent, I said, "Listen, um, just to help us streamline this, I, I want to work with the best directors." And he said, um, "He said, oh, Tom, get in line. Who, who doesn't?" I said, "No, I'm being serious. I'm sure you are. So is everybody else." I said, "Well, I'm going to make a list. Of... I'm not saying that has to be them, but this is the kind of people I'm, and I, he's probably rolling his eyes. Directors." 
that wasn't a very long list. A very whatever. And um, you know, Steven Spielberg, Martin Scorsese, um, you know, your your obvious ones, and then you know, Catherine. Well, she even did Blue Steel. Mm-hmm. She only done the the, the bat. <clears throat> I like movies, you know. So um, so I was fortunate enough to to to, to break through with Oliver Stone, and um, and it just uh, it just happened that those filmmakers, a great many of them, <clears throat> were doing movies, and uh, I was right for those movies to get them. And um, that's been my formula; it's been really simple. Is um, you know, directors and the story, um, but largely the directors. Mm-hmm. So that's how that and happened. You, yeah. and, so and the takeaway so is just be yourself as long as you're Tom Sizemore, and that's what good directors yeah. are looking for. <laughs> actually someone was asking me you know like yeah like about directing and i was like you know when you have there's really no secret when you to directing when you have good actors i mean i know because i have directed not so fantastic actors who are trying their best and i've also worked with tom so i know the difference and it's like your job is already done if you have a good actor. You you don't have to direct that much, you know? It's very different. Well, mm-hmm. it's good to be lazy. I'm a director, but how do you, how you, how, how you tell your story? Not to be lazy. I mean, Scorsese is a great director, but it's it's his cinematic vision. Uh, I mean, Malick and Spielberg did a World War II movie the same summer. They could have been more different. And... Um, yeah. I, my, the thing that I, I, I kind of knew this by, from before I even did it was that movie directors have so much to do that they hire actors that they feel, you know, really, really are almost certain that these guys are gonna and gals are gonna do it the way they want it done, and um, they're not gonna have to direct. They have to direct other people, or like it's not gonna be like an acting class. They just give you the script. They're just gonna, you know. Basically, um, polish it up and cut a little bit here, give it a little bit, and then the thing they're really doing is the movie. You know, they have to worry about the movie, um, how the story's yeah. going to be told. So that's what this made the, the lion's share of their time on. Um, they don't, you know, I mean, they don't want to cut. Uh, let's, let's talk about this 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 role. That's what they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, not even not just your totally. great directors. And, um, yeah. So, one, one well, that's why your great about. directors, even even I guess your average and nobody directors, always have sort of a stable lot of performers they work with. I guess because yeah. they can sort of take it for granted. True. They're yeah. like, well, they get it. They know what I'm thinking. So, right, that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. Um, so uh, this is quite so true. Well, congratulations! Um, you you get a lot of directors. And I get calls from yeah. none of them. <laughs> not, yet. not yet. They haven't heard this interview. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. I hope not. Uh, through, throughout all those movies, Tom, uh, you're ranked number nine out of the top ten uh, number of deaths, on-screen deaths, with 36. Uh, do you have a favorite one from getting shot by Nazis to falling out of a penthouse office to a couple of Mexican standoffs? You got a favorite on-screen death? I think my favorite on-screen death was Saving by Ryan. Mm-hmm. The most, for me, it was the most, the most compelling, and um, yeah, the, the most difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was an impact. Uh, it was absolutely important. Absolutely important to be done right. And uh, I thought I did it right. And I thought I thought it was virtually well. And um, that's my favorite. Yeah, that's uh, well. I put that one as far as your desk. I put that one as number two because True Romance, like I mentioned earlier, is my absolute oh, favorite. Uh, first Mexican stand. No. <laughs> and right part of it, you know what was? Um, I actually forgot my my um, I forgot my helmet or something. I didn't forget my. I was supposed to. Oh, no, no, I forgot my. I forgot my body armor. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and he said, that line was. That line wasn't in there initially, and we did the we did the first take, and of course it didn't work. Um, I didn't know how to behave, but whatever. And uh, Tony said, "Hey man, you know you don't have your body armor on." I said, "But how's the audience going to know that? I mean, how are they going to know?" 
And they went, um, <laughs> Chris, and Chris Penn, the guy rushed his soul, said, oh, yeah, Tony, why didn't you just tell me? And then he just go, hey, hey, I forgot my body armor. I forgot, I forgot whatever fucking call it. <laughs> and um, that's, what, that's what we ended up on take two. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Wow. That was, that was a great shootout. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That reminds I me of something. Do we have like a minute <laughs> more? First. Sure. If you do, we do. Yeah. Yeah. I shoot, they, um, I, shoot, I shoot the director, right? I shoot Saul Rubinek. And that's like the, the whole right, thing. Right. Because he spins around with the I, coffee. Yeah. It's you kind of your him. fault. You plug him. It's my fault. I shoot him first because I'm. It's your fault. I want to be an actor. If I want to be, the kid's if I want to be an actor, so he shoots this famous producer. <laughs> Why do I shoot him? Why do I shoot him again? Oh no, he's figured out. He's figured out that the kids. Uh, that, that. Yeah. Why do you up. know his name? Why does he yeah. know your name? Exactly. That's what I say. I'm sorry. I'll do the whole uh, movie. <laughs> 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 Why do you know your name? Because he says something to Chris. He goes, "Can I leave now?" Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. The dialogue is just the the dialogue of that film is just out of this world, right? I mean You know what's really the the score was a temp dub that he put one song and it worked so well in some screening he had that they had it. They, they didn't do a score. They just had that one song. Mm-hmm. On the, remember that? It's just the one. The one tune. I believe um, it's I called that's "So Cool." Is the name of the song? That's right. That's what it's called, and it's underneath the whole movie. Yeah. Wow. God rest Tony. It was wonderful. Tony and Chris both were wonderful. I love them both. Oh, <clears throat> anyway, um, that was the first movie I did that was just really I knew was when I was doing it. This is going to be a special movie, and uh, it was. Yeah. <clears throat> Did you have that feeling with any others when you were doing them that actually panned um, out to be right or that didn't? Besides Central Park Dark? Saving Private Ryan. Um, Saving Private Definitely. Ryan. Heat. Heat. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, Heat was a little harder to, hard, Heat was a little harder to get my my finger on the pulse, although I, I, I was I getting close to Michael. We were doing a TV show about six years after he we spent two years together essentially every day, and uh, Michael was letting me see some of the stuff back during he when we were becoming friends, and um, the, the movies that I was certain about was were, were um, True Romance, Saving Private Ryan, and the Heat. I was certain that we were making something special and Black Hawk Down. Oh uh, yeah. I was pretty certain this, this is going to be a really good movie, and uh, we're doing something. To, we're doing something really good here, and uh, but the others were all basically the same. You hope you are, <clears throat> you feel you are. You know, everyone's doing their best, and movie sets are unique insofar as um, it's the only workplace I think you'll ever go. One of the only workplaces, there are very few where everybody wants to be there. So you you, you have a bunch of people that want to be at work, and they're working on something that they want to work on, and um, so you're getting the best from the people and. Uh, so all, all, that was when I first started working in movies. I didn't. I'm trying to describe to my mother um, the, the, the um, I guess, one of a better term, the vibration or the, the feeling um, on a movie set. <clears throat> and uh, she's the one who, who, who she, she listened to me and she went, Well, aren't you saying this, Tommy? And she said, What I just told you. And um, I remember her saying, You just, you just have to get that vibe at the post office. <laughs> she, she for <laughs> <laughs> General Motors. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to get that vibe on the assembly line. It's not gonna get, you can't hear it. <laughs> right. And um, so every movie I've done, you know, had that 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 special feeling I'm talking about. But those four were unique insofar as, like I said, um, I only saw part parts of Heat because Michael showed them to the others. I just had a feeling. Like we're doing something mm-hmm. well just just to give yeah. you a certain gauge of how uh how accurate your sense is when you're inside of these uh our producer actually gave us a list of three movies that he wanted to make sure we had you mention or something I, he was just kind of fanning out i think but they were saving private ryan heat and true romance heat. and jimmy actually later yeah. in the production meeting added 
Yeah, he was he was trying to keep me from rattling off twenty or so movies, so he t- <laughs> he, he whittled it down to what he calls his holy trinity. And uh, so that that to him, and he is he is every bit the demographic that every studio has wanted for the last twenty five years. He is he definitely agrees so with I, you. Those I, were the special wow. ones. That's that's he he, he said three out of four. He yeah. Yep. Uh, Jimmy actually no. forced that one in to make it a four-item list, and you uh, you absolutely lined up with with our view on it. <laughs> so I don't know. I guess I got to give you a little credit there. Me or Jim? I think Jimmy's credit here. Careful. No, our producer has enough of a head. You get the credit on this. What's that? Jimmy added, added Black Hawk on at the, at the 11th hour? Yes, he did. Yeah. yeah. Wow, all four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, like I, I said, I, and I would, like I said, I was watching, and not, not because I was on a, I was on a Tom Sizemore cruise or anything, but I did have Harley <laughs> Davidson and the Marlboro Man on when I got the call. So I was, I was extremely, I couldn't work. believe it. <laughs> Santa got my letter. <laughs> <laughs> Um, before World War III wow. breaks out upstairs, kids, I'm gonna have to jump off here. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. so I, I think oh, th- we had. Have this has feed, been a lot of fun. I have to feed the inmates. <laughs> been more than generous with your time. Go yeah. break it out. Okay. Thank you so much. This has yeah, been amazing. Pleasure for being here. Thank you, guys. Really oh, the pleasure is yeah, all on this side of the internet. Sybil, Tom. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so guys much. so much. All right. Yeah. Anytime. Anytime. It was really lovely. Absolutely. Really thank Happy you holidays. so much. Hey. Right back at you. Let's do this again next week, guys. guys. You as well. (laughs) Okay, bye. Bye. All right. I hope we talk when the trailer comes out again. But thank you so much, Sybil. We will. Yep, we will. Let's do that. Okay, bye. All right, bye. Bye. Have a good one. Imagine the perfect video store. It would have a great selection, right? Right. Over 10,000 videos. Three evening rentals, so no rush, no hassle. Fast checkout. 24-hour quick drop return. Open late every night. Well... Perfect video store. Welcome to Blockbuster Video. Is popping up all over the country. There's one near you. Blockbuster Video. Wow, what a difference. Wow, what a difference. <laughs> there it is, boys. We made the perfect video store. This will stand for a thousand years. <laughs> Ain't nothing on the horizon that's going to take us down. Come on, they made their money. <laughs> Don't feel too bad for them. They did. But uh, Edward Blockbuster the Third. What if there's a big pandemic? That's uh, all right. They can watch these movies in the house. We'll never die. <laughs> what are they gonna do? Oh. Mail them. What are they gonna do? Mail them movies. <laughs> <laughs> you think they're just gonna get just beamed into their houses magically? <laughs> we got it, boy. We got them. Okay, Merlin. Oh, speaking of Merlin, I want to transition completely over to that interview. Tom Sizemore, huh? And Sybil Lake. Let's hear it for both of them. Uh, Great sports. They put up with us. Yep. Yep. A lot of heart there. A lot Mm -hmm. of heart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and a big movie star uh, in his own right. The uh, the just, well, should we go back over all of his movies? I think let's just go by the three. Yeah, I, mean, I feel yeah, like yeah. we really touched them so much. But all right, let's talk about true romance. I, I kind of I said my part. Uh, I get off on uh, you know James Gandolfini beating Patricia Arquette into a pulp. What can I say? <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, like I said earlier, that that le- that leads to him becoming Tony Soprano. And again, it wasn't because he could hit a bitch. <laughs> it was because. <laughs> It was because of that monologue that he frickin' delivers, and yeah. th- you know, there's like this there's, this kind of resentfulness, this this thinking man's goon is, is yeah. kind of what he is, right? But everybody in a very Tarantino, you can tell what kind of a writer he's going to be because all the characters spout off these incredibly yeah. memorable little scenes, uh, you know, like Christian Slater and uh, Gary Oldman. Gary oh. Oldman's playing the the crazed. Pimp Drexel. Drexel, just um, eight minute roll tops, yeah, yeah. but Amazing. just really sticks with you. Uh, Dennis Hopper and uh, Christopher Walken, greatest that whole scene, greatest scene 
of all times. Greatest dialogue so, of all times. Somebody gets shot, but you barely see it, but it is it is it is the style over the violence. And it's un, unfortunately we're not going to quote that film in this particular episode. But yeah. that we already covered that, a little bit of that. That scene is so amazing. The performances that those two actors put on the 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 tension and if you guys have not seen true romance yet this is a huge huge spoiler warning but talking about christopher walken and dennis i'm talking yes dennis hopper he knows that he is going to die and he's not going to give up his son and he needs to come up with something to tell these guys that will make them kill him like this. And he's got to do it so smooth that they don't know what he's doing. It is. And it's got to sell tickets in the Midwest. Man, he nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Just destroys that scene. Um, so if you guys have not seen this, I'm sorry for you. Uh, those of you that have seen this, uh, go watch it now. It's yeah. very easy. You don't even have to go to Blockbuster anymore. <laughs> uh, you still got a few days, maybe before Central Park Dark comes out. Uh, I do recommend watching True Romance first. Yeah, um, it'll make more sense. But yeah, Jimmy, uh, you say it's your favorite movie of all of all times. Do you remember where you when you first saw saw it? Uh, that would have been at the theater. During an mm-hmm. evening of cinema, mm-hmm. this is back uh, before the turn of the century, where you with could the pay twinkling a... lights, Marky. <laughs> uh, when you could spend about shell out about five beans and go see a movie in a in a in a theater. Did uh, you did you know at the time that you were in for a whole new era? Ah, uh, era, era, era. No, of course not. Yeah, I mean, you don't yeah. really know that you're. It's hard to take yourself out of the moment and realize that you're witnessing greatness. And um, so I saw it at the movies, uh, at the theater, probably twice. I think I really liked it. And um, I want to say that uh, the other, not Pulp Fiction, the other one, Reservoir Dogs, that I had already uh-huh. seen that. So we were okay. excited to see uh-huh. another movie by this cat, Quentin Tarantino, even though he just wrote it. And uh, and the previews on the TV looked really good, so we were kind of excited to see it, and it, and it really blew me away. So that was one of the first uh, tapes that I had to replace, actually, from that VHS, the massive vault of VHS, as I called it, <laughs> uh, that I had to replace because it got worn out. Um, I, I would watch it a couple times a week after work, just come home and put it yeah. in, and, and it just ended up every scene... Uh, connects with me and every character is well written and every character has their own scene and every character everybody you see on screen has an arc um, yeah and it has this propellant really tight yeah and 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 that's one of the first movies like i was pointing out with the slowed down uh, gun shoot shootouts and and that kind of stuff i'm thinking of maybe it was john woo that added the doves, right? Flapping around. Yeah, yeah, that was his signature move, throwing right, dove at right. it, which I think he just stole from Ridley Scott, <laughs> Tony Scott's brother. Well, well, yeah. yeah, at True Romans, they had all those yeah. feathers uh, then, uh, at, from the Blade pillows. Runner. You right. get the dove flying away at the. Uh, yeah, we can pick that apart in the film school podcast. Go ahead, yeah, keep going, yeah, Jimmy. Yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah, uh, and favorite scene of all time. So I off my like I, you probably tire of hearing me say it, but if I could only ever watch one movie. For the rest of my life on an island, uh, space shuttle, whatever, it would be true romance. And if I could, yeah. if you could narrow that down to just one scene, it would be that Christopher Walken, Dennis Hopper scene. I, th- I think it's yeah. perfectly written. Yep. It's it's exquisitely shot. The lighting, the way that the music just swells. Even up the after way that they smoke for, cigarettes in it. It's so like, quiet. There's no music until he asks. As hmm. soon as he asks for the cigarette. And that's that's when it, the lighting changes, the mood the switches automatically. He knows and he's, he's done and for. he's going to get and he's he's and about he's, to get he, executed. He's going to go out with a big fu, right? And yeah. it's so yeah. yeah, it's just delicious. That whole scene is so delicious. I get goose nipply just talking about it. There, yeah. there is a there is a sound effect that they use 
on the puff of a cigarette in that scene where it's just like, yeah, like you could just hear him sucking in all that freaking nicotine. You could and hear that, him. And it's like uh, that uh, the Chesterfields, right? So they're, yeah, I don't know if they're hand rolled or the, I don't uh, know what I don't know much about that particular cigarette, but it looks like it's burns uh, a little filterless. differently. Filterless, yeah. yep, yeah. filterless, yeah. Um, and, the, and they the even other, have the, 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 um, the, tobacco, the tobacco burning is all you hear. Just and cuts. there's, uh, there was a minor um, fashion trend that came out of that movie, uh, and it's those those Elvis Presley shades, you know, the gold with the circles on the side. It's like the I three think circles. Elvis was yeah, it looks like the, the steel the girder almost. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Oh, they Elvis were at every really swap meet brought him in but then as a because elvis they, is in this movie too yep uh why val, not everybody uh, played by val kilmer um uh, he just nails it i think it's it's a hilarious cameo kind of by 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 val kilmer and um he I auditioned to be that, clarence val kilmer yeah for that and movie. i'm i'm glad he got elvis because I think well, he he, he's actually role. the mentor they couldn't use elvis so they <laughs> right, he's, he's right the mentor yeah the mentor and you never see his face right yeah, but uh, you can I like tell. you, Clarence. I always, always have. have. Always have. Always will. Always will. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's good. Uh, now, so, th- so that's a great movie, and uh-huh. I, I gotta say, out of the three of them, it is the funnest watch for sure. Yeah, and by I feel far. like it moves from beginning to end. And here's my complaint about Heat: it's mm-hmm. a great movie, and it is, but it is so heavy and brooding. Dan, I think that... I think that's already locked. I think that's already locked and and released. No, no, no. Not I'm talking with man. Not uh, he said, uh, he said, uh, with HBO Max, we're all allowed to make a new director's cut <laughs> anytime grim, we want. <laughs> the Grim Shea cut. Yeah. Now, so uh, <laughs> look for that. 2023. You get a cut. It's, and basically, this is cut. what I would do with Heat: is I would take out every scene involving uh, a woman. I know that doesn't pass the Bechdel <laughs> test, but it's basically two different movies in there to me. Uh, and every time they have to explain what they do or like try to come to terms with it, with you know, face their relationships with women in their lives, it just feels like I'm walking through mud. Yeah. Uh, um, but a movie all about that could be a nice 40 minute HBO special, and that still leaves an hour and a half of badass, high octane, heist, you know, grim guys doing insane crime. Uh, I, and that's what I want to watch. I. Do remember because we were roommates when this movie came out in uh, ninety. That's not two pillows. Ninety six, I think, was the year. Uh, maybe ninety seven. Um, and uh, you, everybody was talking about this movie like that first week it came out. All of us were talking about it. Everybody, I had I had seen it twice, like in a week. And I remember you not liking it. So, have you grown to like it, or just deal with it, or do you like it the same as you did that first time? I, well, I think, well, it's a complicated question, because watching the movie, it gets to that shootout scene, and I'm, I'm like, loving this. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, this is awesome. And then it seemed to just keep dragging on to the point where, by the end, when they're, like, quietly stalking each other and on the tarmac or whatever. Yeah. I just, I was so desperate to leave the theater. I was like, one of you just shoot the other. I don't give a fuck anymore. Wow. <laughs> you kept me in the seat too long. <laughs> and so now when I watch it and I can skip parts, I have to admit, I don't think I've sat and watched from opening to end credits that movie since I was in the theater. Cause honestly it was a scarring time for, I don't know why, but I got, angry at the end like you did not need to keep me there that long <laughs> yeah and i love every every maple syrupy gooey <laughs> second of that movie it is it is thick it is heavy you know he it's called heat you know it's make so... it a 10 hour netflix series instead <sighs> and i'd probably be so on board so, i do calling think it this one makes movie, a great I was like, series no, this Absolutely. is tearing me two different directions but you have okay so the first scene is this um, armored car jacking, which is amazing. Yep, sets the tempo for what right. I think is going to be a badass. <laughs> All hard. right, we're in it now. This is and then you like... got the whole Wayne Grow thing where they're at the diner, you know, because he goes nuts at the freaking you know, like like in the first five minutes he screws everything up. 
So then they got to put him in the trunk, and then he escapes, and then you have to deal with that. Then you meet Al, you meet the Al Pacino character, uh, Lieutenant Vincent Hanna, and he's a mess, and yes, he's overacting. And he was fun to watch. Like, <laughs> it's like, uh, hey Al, the line here is, you had coffee with the guy an hour ago. Ready? Action. I had coffee with the guy. An hour ago. <laughs> She's no, got no, a great just, ass. <laughs> and no, you got Al, your no, head Al, it's all just, up in it. I had, I had coffee with him an hour ago. I had coffee with the guy an hour ago. <laughs> no, Al, it's just coffee with the guy an hour ago. Anyway, you guys get the point. He is overacting yes. through this whole thing. But it's this so was part syrupy. of his uh, what is it, Carlito's Transition. way and uh, yeah. scent of a woman phase, yeah. <laughs> where they're yeah. just his after, volume was after this. Nine, this is 10, all, and that's 11. almost all he is is that. <laughs> yeah. And but wow. it's so good, it's so syrupy. And then after after all of this, yes, and there's a young um, a uh, Natalie Portman's in it, and she's you know her performance in this is. Very advanced for, I think she was like 13 or 14 at the time. I mean, she freaking kicks ass in that role. She's like this kind oh, of yeah. trouble. And team. I love Natalie Portman. But again, sorry, no room yeah. for Natalie Portman in the Grim Shake Cut. Yeah. And then it gets to this, None of this incredible shit. It finally gets, and obviously, this is a. This is a movie about about L.A. This is a cat and mouse between De Niro and Pacino. And they finally have that freaking diner scene. And yeah, it's good. It's good. Uh, with both of them kind of staring down each other yeah. an hour ago. Can and I, it's good um, dialogue. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's not Can Tarantino good, mind? but it is good dialogue. Let me blow yeah. your mind a second here, fellas. You guys know you guys ever hear of the movie LA Takedown? I have not. It is the mm. exact same movie written and directed by Michael Mann as Heat, starring uh then unknown Scott Plank and still unknown. <laughs> The biggest name on this ticket is Daniel Baldwin, actually. But I it's the Michael exact Rucker's same there. movie uh, made for TV, and it speaks a lot to acting. It's the same, pretty much word for word the same script. And uh, I think we have some of the audio from the diner scene from L.A. Takedown right here. Uh, we'll edit that in if we can find it. But, <laughs> but it's the We're exact same movie, and it really shows uh, how I, I, you I get had De Niro coffee with a guy Pacino an hour ago. The same scene in the diner, and it really blows your way and really emphasizes not only the words on the page, but the emotions and everything. But uh, yeah, so that, that movie came out in 89 on TV. So um, listeners, look that up. I'm sure it's great. Uh, uh, it's not what's horrible. To, uh, I'm going to go right it's, through it's, you. It's, it's, it's an it's a interesting. Uh, study that it's the same movie, exactly the same movie with different actors, uh, but made for a t- what a made for TV script. Well, and then of course the uh, you know there's this incredible line that Tom Sizemore has to deliver, and I'm going to save this for Jimmy to say, but I'm just going to kind of set the scene. It's that you know uh, Al Pacino's hot on their trail. Uh, things are starting to get undone. It's all because of that fucking Wayne grow and they really have to take one more score now oh man Rob, Robert that's such a great scene yeah Robert De Niro basically says we all got to skip town and uh you guys don't have to do this with me if you don't want to this is one last score and we're all going to go into hiding and after some careful consideration what does Tom Sizemore, Michael Chirito, say to Robert De Niro? Well, you know, for me, the action is the juice. Yeah, the action is the juice. Oh, it's such a good line. Yeah, that's a great line. And that's a, uh, thanks for bringing that up. That's a great scene where they just go, everybody goes around the room and they're like, fuck it, man, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, right? fuck it, man, I'm in. Yeah. yeah, fuck it. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. And he has his yeah. whole freaking The classic crew. I'm in scene. Yeah. Now, you uh, son of a bitch, bitch, bitch I mean Rick Sanchez. <laughs> and then, of course, things go epically wrong. And it's because Al Pacino is so good at what he does. But because Robert De Niro is so good at what he does, he gets away. It's but Tom Sizemore's character 
does not get away. And here is where you really see that half of these guys are criminals. The other half are cops. It, it really, like, if you really want to see it in this movie, it's the showdown between Sizemore and Pacino. And Sizemore grabs, a, I think it's like a little girl, uses her as a shield. Am I remembering that correctly? You are correct. Yes, I'm, I'm yeah. picturing this, yes. And Al Pacino is the kind of on the side of The shield girl can stay in the movie. Yeah. And... Uh, Al Pacino is like on the side of him, has like an M16, aims and just hits him in the head, drops him right there. And you're like, good guy, bad guy. And as then ran gray up and as this the girl. movie was. Yeah. And then he catches the girl and he shields her eyes, puts her, you know, kind of gets her out of there. Um, uh, Dan, scene. Does this, I, I don't know if that's does this female uh, what get police to stay? training says. Do we recast do. that as a little boy? Uh, no, no, I told you we can keep the human shield girl in. Okay. Fair, fair enough. Just, yeah. Uh, just but I think it's, it's just... It, She's it's not a, dragging down one of their fucking story arcs, so she can stay. <laughs> fair. It's an epic scene. Epic, epic scene. And Tom Sizemore just gets it right in the dome, man. It's amazing. So, you know, there you go. There yeah. got away with that, that guy has had, uh, has had uh, quite a taste of squibs over his career, uh, and uh, his favorite squib to ever take him out of a out of a character's uh, mortal coil, as it were, Saving Private Ryan. Uh-huh. I feel like we say a lot about this movie, but we're getting close to the end, so let's not say too much. I don't I don't want to I don't want to spoil who wins the war. Uh, America, but uh, yeah. Um, Hold on, I haven't again. seen it yet. Yeah. Um, Saving Private Ryan um, got totally cheated out of the Oscar. Everybody knows it. Um, but it spawned World War II movies, documentaries, HBO series. This movie changed changed Hollywood uh, still. It changed video games, right? I mean, it's, this thing was everywhere. Yes. It, 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 well, it was a new kind of... That was something else that was going on that we haven't really touched on, and Tom Sizemore wasn't as involved in it. But I think the depiction of violence also got more brutal, like less celebratory, and more like "fuck, I don't want that to ever happen to me." Yeah. Kind of like with like Braveheart was a big one. It was mm-hmm. very visceral violence, and you know the whole you know two warring. Celtic clans with swords clashing into each other on the battlefield. It's the first movie to really do that. Uh, Saving Private Ryan set a new benchmark that, yeah, uh, apparently everyone's like, I guess Spielberg's really into World War II. Let's just follow this out. Let's do Band of Brothers and Call of Duty. and There there was like a resurgence Yeah, he was on the Um, cusp of that renaissance. Yeah. 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 He's uh, Spielberg, honestly, you got to give it to him. He killed a lot of Nazis in his life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A few times. Yep. You're right. Uh, but yeah. it's it's just Indiana it's just Jones. one of those it's just so it's it's so fitting um that 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 whole decade of film and kind of what we all lived through in the eighties. And you know, I was a big fan of those muscled eighties action heroes. You know, I, I absolutely love those movies. And of course I was older and I'm watching you know, this kind of thinking man's violence, you know, and um, I I would much rather watch 90s movies today than I would 80s movies, um, action movies, you know. It's just, it's 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 well, incredible the how serious they were. continued to, you know, you'll still get plenty of fucking cheesy, mindless Hollywood mm-hmm. action movies, but, you know, the, the the new golden age in TV, which has been going on well over a decade now, you get like the biggest show in the world, Game of Thrones, where nobody's a good guy, nobody's a bad guy. There's violence everywhere. Uh, Breaking Bad, again, just complex moral shades of gray, where the violence is a necessary part of the story, um, where it's more about the menace than the blood. You know, we, we we whatever was happening, maybe it was all of us collectively in the '80s said, "All right." 
all right, these movies are a lot of fun, but now I'm getting a little worried. Yeah. And something changed, but, uh, well, now we're a perfect society, so eh, more power to <laughs> all, us. All better. <laughs> Figured it out. Yeah. And it, and it only takes a Tom Sizemore to die in every single one of those movies <laughs> for us to, <laughs> for us to finally, finally get the point. Violence is not good, everybody. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? I'd say that that is if we have we, if over a hundred episodes we can teach the world nothing but that that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I think so, Jimmy. Yeah. What do you think? Uh yeah, just uh, <laughs> kumbaya. Hold, let's hold everybody hold hands, and we can. It's okay to like hold on to these movies as a reflection of what was and not what necessarily has to be in our future. Right, my brothers? Yeah. yeah. Why not, man? I mean, well, I, I, think, I still uh, feel a little violent. I mean the violence. I still want to see good movies. Yeah, I I just like it that sometimes violence hurts. Uh, and I think we have we have the 90s to thank for that. It's not That's all fun right. and games. It's not all fun and games, but it, it's still fiction. Uh, Amid the chaos of that episode, when all I could hear was Marky overusing the word famously and Jimmy the Gent forcing ancient references that no one ever gets. I look back and I'm amazed that my thoughts were so clear and true. That three words went through my mind endlessly, repeating themselves like a broken record. Enough of this. Seriously, enough of this. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Oh, this is enough of this. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.